Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Wider Goals, a podcast that explores how individuals and organizations can connect higher purpose with the superpower of sport to create a better world for all. I'm your host, Mark Roberts, and my guest today is Mark Turner, a former lieutenant and seaman officer in the Royal Navy who went on to compete as an elite sailor whilst building a successful entrepreneurial career outside of the boat. The wind in the sails of his business, Offshore Challengers, picked up in 1997 when he first met a young Dame Ellen MacArthur and agreed to manage her sailing projects, which would include a world record-breaking solo circumnavigation of the globe in 2005. Since then, with Dame Ellen as a partner, OC Sport has built a portfolio of purpose-driven international sporting competitions and charity events, from extreme sailing in Oman to ultramarathons in Geneva. As you'll hear, for Mark, having purpose at the heart of his sporting endeavours, leading consciously, taking his stakeholders on an emotional journey, had always been what made them successful. It just took him a few years to reflect and realise it. So here we go then, this is Wider Goals with Mark Turner. Mark, you're a familiar name to anybody involved in the world of elite sailing, but for those outside of that bubble, I've just described your journey kind of on paper, I guess. Can you bring that story to life a bit for us in terms of the major moments and experiences that created the person sat on this call today? I'm getting a bit old, so that's quite a long story to tell, right? I'm sure that wouldn't be very interesting to tell it all, but um, um, I've always been involved in sport, either as a participant or as a... Um, uh, an organizer or a, a manager um, and uh, originally I guess I grew up on the Isle of Wight in England so um, the water was all around us so swimming on one hand and sailing on the other were my two kind of main things um, that I grew up with alongside all the other sports I could manage at school um, and uh, I guess to you know I continued both continued on with the water you know focus side of things and uh, and still swimming today and still uh, and now that's becoming more of a you know organisational side of things as well. And sailing, I you know, sailed very actively for a long time, but um, relatively early um, on meeting uh, Ellen MacArthur, switched myself to the behind the scenes on the sailing side, and, and together we grew a grew a, a sports business that was initially based on on, on sailing. In between that, uh, on leaving school, I uh, I did join the Royal Navy, so more time on the water as a Royal Naval officer on the, serving in the Royal Navy for six six years in between studies. And uh, so, yeah, one way or another, most of my life has been uh, connected to the water in some way and almost always connected to, to sport in some way. So when did that, um, that switch take place for you then, Mark? What was the moment where you went from being um, kind of individually focused in terms of your own career or your sporting achievements on the water and, and obviously in the Navy as well to thinking a bit more widely than that? Um, well, I, I guess... You know, when I left the I left the Royal Navy after six years and uh, set up, did a, was working in a startup with a school friend of mine, a swimmer friend of mine, making equipment for America's Cup sailing boats. Um, three guys, kind of little startup, thinking we could do everything, um, based on the Isle of Wight, and we did that for a couple of years. And I ended up 
that kind of sent me into the marine industry. So I was working in the sailing industry and at the same time progressing my own sailing career. I'd already raced around the world on the Whitbread Around the World race, as it was known then, which became the Volvo Ocean Race, the Ocean yeah. Race today. Um, and um, at, when I was 22, as, in, as part of being in the Royal Navy, and I'd then come back and, and did this startup, um, finished the Navy, finished with the Navy or left the Navy early and uh, did this startup company with my friend, uh, Chris, school friend Chris. And from there, ended up working for another company in the marine industry called Spinlock, making equipment. So I was at the same time paralleling my professional sort of land-based career was, and keeping my sailing career going. And then I bumped into uh, this ball of energy called uh, Ellen MacArthur when she was 18 at a boat show. And um, she kind of kind of grabbed me by the collar a little bit and said, look, you know, it'd be great if you could help me. You know, someone sent me to you to say you could help me with my career and uh, and what I should do next. She just sailed around Britain on her own in a little, uh, little, her little cruising boat and was trying to do her first race. And uh, we did that. We did that first race, single-handed race across the Atlantic in 1997, both of us with our own campaigns, neither of us with any money, neither of us with uh, any resources and, and somehow both got to the start line with lots of ups and downs and broken boats and no money and and things got to the end start of that race called the Mini Transat, which is this crazy little uh, six meter, six and a half meter boat, long boats that you sail on your own across the Atlantic Ocean. No communications, no contact with land. Uh, in three weeks, uh, quite a voyage of discovery, and we raced against each other. It was her first race, and almost ended up being my last race. When I got to the finish line, you know, I was pretty clear in my head that was pretty stressful. Not the whole sailing bit necessarily, but everything around it, finding the money and and then trying to sail and I decided look, you know, Ellen was the one with the talent um, and actually I actually enjoyed the whole project, the overall project side of things, um, putting it together and finding the money and organising it and basically I said, said to myself, well I'll step back from being the sailor and, and let's see if I can help Ellen achieve her dreams which, you know, she, they were already about trying to sail around the world single-handed at that stage and so I put my side on hold and, um, and, uh, and got behind her, so I guess that was the for me, the big switch really at that point. And from that point on, you know, we, we basically 50-50 shared the little company that I'd created for my sailing um, projects. And, um, and, and I did, started working all the stuff behind more than the, being on the boat and being the person at the front. And that sort of led to 10 years of developing that, um, that company together um, and not just managing athletes, which was obviously with Ellen as the starting point, managing individual athletes campaign but led to us creating events um, and managing sailing events and also technology that went with it and all, all sorts of other bits that we, you know, we did that very happily and successfully together for, uh, for a decade um, until she you know, stepped, stepped back from a professional sailing career. So I guess it was, it sounds like it was a fairly logical and smooth transition from chasing these individual goals in terms of performance uh, to more, more strategic, probably a little bit wider, but still ultimately goal chasing and uh, and looking for for success well i, I yeah i mean i replaced I, I didn't stop goal chasing to be honest i just mm. i put the sailing goals <laughs> to the side um and i started doing lots of other things particularly in the mountains so you know i did an expedition to the walk to south pole uh started doing you know learning mountains and and uh and other ch other challenges um in in other sports cycling i took up cycling um and those things led to in the end, each of them led to being involved on a professional basis in those sports as well, in some way or another. Uh, but I, I didn't stop having my own goals. I always need those goals in front of me. I mean, I, I need the, I need the thing that slightly scares me or makes me feel uncomfortable when I wake up to get me up and get me 
training or practicing or even just you know preparing or whatever the particular challenge is so I do leave I know I know not everybody needs those but um that's kind of thing but I need those next goals in front of me obviously there are work and professional goals but I need the active adventurous you know sport one ahead of me and I've gone from sport to sport and done that in lots of different sports and taking things on the walk to the south pole was you know just someone threw that idea in front of me and I thought well you know why not and that was a quite an early one actually when in when I was working with Ellen and we were growing the business and we were running her campaign Sam Davies another English sailor we were running her sailing campaign at the time and we just started also organizing events so not just the athletes but actually becoming the event organizer and right in the middle of all that in a kind of I think we were 30 40 people in the company at that stage um, you know, I, I said, I'm oh, sorry, guys, but I'm going for three months. I'm gonna gonna go and walk to the South Pole, and you know, and spent six months towing a tractor tire around <laughs> the around the fields as you do to train for that that kind of thing. And um, so I've lived with that. And then I abandoned the company and just disappeared and walked to South Pole for for a little while. So um, you know, I've always had those goals in front of me. So whilst the sailing side became the professional side and the business side, and I you know became the creating the the rest the things all around Ellen and, and these other sailors. Um, actually, my own pers- from a personal point of view, I never, I've never, I've never stopped having the sporting goals, and it's something that feeds me. But also, in the events that we've organised and created, you know, in cycling the Oort route, the swimming event I'm now organising, that's why I do it as well. Because I, to give, be the platform and facilitate and create the scenarios and events where other people can equally set their own goals and, and you know, help them in their own lives. That's what inspires me, to be honest. I get my energy from from other people having these goals as well and uh, so uh, that, one way or another that's ever present you know there's always the next thing and always the next goal and it has to make you feel slightly uncomfortable um, and that's you know and that's when you get the payback or you help give people the payback. So how do you keep yourself in check then Mark with that because being so focused and uh, and kind of goal driven I'm sure has a dark side or a shadow side to it in a, in a leadership context especially do you have someone who, who kind of keeps you in check to make sure that you're keeping a a 360 view as well as this kind of uh, more narrow goal focus. Well, c- c- certainly as you get older, you know, you get a bit wiser and perhaps deal with it, deal with things differently. I, I you know, I have a lot of people that I still work with on projects or uh, you know close to that worked worked with me in the early days of OC Sport with with Ellen, and, and they're, all, they're all pretty well saying the say say the same thing. Um, they were most a lot of them came and volunteered for me last September when we did the first um, multi-day swim event, the Ultra Swim, and. Uh, and they all say the same thing. It was crazy days and crazy times in those early, you know, early thing. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I was pretty brutal. I didn't really take, uh, didn't really take any prisoners. Um, but we were doing really cool, really inspiring, really fully engaged uh, things, and people were working like crazy. But they, but no one would question it. No one questioned why. Or we just had these goals. You know, Ellen, fantastic, obviously inspiring people as well. Um, and you know, we have, and those kind of projects we're doing, and particularly in sailing, you have a start line, you have a start date there is it won't move for you mm. um you've got to be ready you know and you've got to find the money you've got to put the team together you've got to build a boat um or if on the event side you, know, you set the event start date you have no choice so you you drive really hard but i, I think uh, i don't think anyone regrets ever working around me but uh, i was probably a little bit uh i'm not even sure today you could even perhaps drive teams quite in the same way um but um but people at the end of the day they always say well i would you know, never regret it would always do it again but yeah, we worked. You know, we worked hard and, and play hard and, and and pushed hard. So I guess, I guess for me, the bit that's always kept me saying that, you know, are the people around you, and um, and you obviously you end up with a, a core team that you know you 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 are open to and you are listening to, perhaps subconsciously rather than consciously sometimes as well. Um, as time goes on, 
you know you become a better leader and a better manager and you're perhaps able to take uh you know perhaps you, you perhaps you do take <laughs> uh take take prisoners a few more off a little bit more or you listen a bit more um as you go on certainly but um uh, but I think that I think the thing that doesn't change is you know you need to inspire people you need, yeah. and le- leaders, leadership and management often confused, and they're very very different. And I'm, I'm not necessarily a great a good manager. Um, I've realised uh, you know that if I can in the times where I've gone back to big teams you know like when I was running the Volvo Ocean Race in 2016 2017 that teams up 200 250 people you know I had a really amazing set of managers around yeah. me um, and. Um, but my role was to lead, not to manage. So, and the two can be quite different. I think I've been a, a strong leader, not always necessarily a perfect one, not at all a perfect one. Um, but uh, you know, you, you you can lead strongly, in particularly when you've got great managers around you who are um, perhaps looking more considerably, uh, consider, you know, at everybody in the team and picking up some of the helping the people that are struggling not always easy to do that as the leader at the front to be noticing everything that's going on you know when the teams get bigger uh, for me that's the combination that's worked um, uh, in any case and I, and I love that role I love the role leading the big team I'm not doing that right now uh, today but um, it's a bit I miss actually is very much from a work perspective well it sounds like it won't be long before you you find the next thing to <laughs> to lead a big team on and, and I'm interested to know over the years as you've kind of gained this experience mark and adapted your your view on leadership, are you finding that more and more people um, come along that journey or stay on that journey with you rather than uh, perhaps backing off, you know, having had the experience once and maybe being pushed a little bit hard? Are you are you learning to uh, retain <laughs> retain yeah. a little bit more? Well, like I, said, I mean, you know, people come back to me, so that's, that's, I guess that's the most, that's the most yeah. important checkpoint yeah. is that actually are people willing to come back and help um, or join a new project, and that's been the case. I've got you know, the, my right-hand person in the Ultrasim uh, 33.3. You know, this new event that we've created is uh, someone that I've worked with on and off for 25 years, um, and they then and they're ready to come back. So I suppose that's a useful check. I'm sure there are people that would prefer not to because they've moved on to other things. Mm. But um, I think that's important. But equally, I think you have to recognise in in the kind of project-based environment whether that's uh, you know an athlete with a kind of a four-year goal or a two-year goal or um or the event site you know event an event with an event cycle is that equally people need to come and go you know it's a project environment super intense all that event event world is super intense you work long hours you work different hours you're traveling perhaps you're um you know the concept of weekends doesn't necessarily really exist um and you need people to be able to come and go you need them to be able to come and give and then actually go do something else or take some time mm. out so I think it's very different to the notion of a, you know, perhaps a normal, you know, inverted commas, normal business where you're just trying to, you want to, of course, maximum retention. I think actually it's not necessarily the only formula and the, and the characters you want sometimes, at least part of the team, you need to have people that are, give 110%, they might give it for a nine months, six months, a year, two years, and then actually they need to go and do something else or they need to take some time out. It's a different kind of uh, approach. And I certainly all of the kinds of sports events and teams that, I've been involved in, you know, they, they, they are your real core givers in the team, but you know, they can't, you know, they won't stop running. So you need, they need to disappear and stop running for a bit in between projects and, and rebuild. Um, and it's very difficult in an event environment to, to um, slow down when the deadline is the mm. deadline. You know, you've got to, you've got to do it. Obviously, you, you, you know, how you structure the team and resources and do your best to make it um, as um, easy to manage as possible for everybody. But in reality, there's, there's some people that are always going to go 110% and you want them. 
but equally they're not going to be working full-time non-stop for you know the next few years either they're going to do a project disappear do something else or take some time out and that mix is really important and the diversity and mix of those you know people in the team is fundamental obviously how does that balance transfer their mark to a project where say for example um like the, the current projects that you're working on now inspired through sport uh, Le Mans ultra swim uh, 33.3 these are what, what I might term if you know from a conscious capitalism point of view if we look to spot these are purpose driven events purpose driven organizations that are addressing bigger issues than just let's see how fast we can go or let's see how far we can go taking individuals on that journey whilst also balancing this need for for their own kind of career and personal progression how do you find that balance is it mm. is it a difficult is it easy is it difficult how, how is it for you i think it's actually easy in the sense that uh even if we didn't talk about it in the same way uh 20 years ago or 25 years ago we were with certainly with you know with the projects with ellen at the beginning we that yes she had a sporting goal but actually built in from day one was her love to to share that journey and to genuinely inspire people and, and the energy we needed to work like we worked came from inspiring people mm. i mean it sounds a bit crass to say like that but the reality is you know the email that you get from someone or the the message you get from someone saying hey you know what um follow what you went through last night in the middle of the ocean um got up this morning and mowed the grass that I should have done for the last six months and I did it finally and you know thanks you just kind of made me feel like it was ridiculous that I couldn't get up and motivate my I mean, stupid things sometimes like that but or equally much deeper and much you know much yeah. more emotional subjects um that come come along and that 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 was the energy we would draw so we had purpose from I think in every project we did we had a purpose that was beyond the pure sporting one which perhaps is not the case over there pure olympic athlete going you know in a, in a classic olympic discipline or something but in all the projects in sport I've been involved in, there's been this other purpose. Now, whether we labelled it, said we're a purpose-driven organisation, put it in a mission statement or something, whatever, the fact was, you know, there's a, um, always another thing happening there and we would seek, get our energy as organisers or management, managing those projects from the wider people that we would touch with what we were doing and the way we did it. So, you know, communicate, share the emotion, the ups and downs, not in a corporate PR kind of everything's perfect way but instead in a raw um, which is a term we use it you know how we coined it at the Vivarian race mm. but raw and try and share and accept that you share the downs as well as the ups and you take the people that are following you you allow them to come down into the dark moments but when you come back up again it's even more powerful and, and that that exchange of, if you like emotion exchange um, has been our you know, currency in all our events so if I went back and kind of re summarized all the different projects in different sports that we've created and done i could easily rewrite them and say you know purpose-led organization and in this one it's whether it's mental health or whether it's helping a particular charity or a particular part of the of society or highlighting the environmental you know risks of the in, in the oceans or whatever 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 but i could go back and rewrite them all and start and write it how people would like to write them today and we're a purpose-led organization we're a, effectively a social enterprise in many cases i mean we're never seeking to make financial profit you have to make some profit at some point to better pay and take the risks that we were taking in terms of creating events um, from scratch and, and creating projects from scratch but fundamentally we've never we were never driven by the in anything i've done i've never been driven firstly by the finances obviously within the 
within that you've got to have the money to take the risks and do bigger things so you've got to build that in mm. but um it's always been that way around so i think today you know you people write it down and say it and and, and perhaps communicate it at the front which is nothing wrong with that but uh but i think all the way through purpose has always been there there's always been a higher reason for for actually doing what we were doing and rather than a, a pure business and when you do it that way and you have a long-term view then you know the business side the financial side normally plays out well anyway yeah. Um, my biggest errors, to be honest, in you know, in the twenty twenty-five years sport business kind of uh, career, has been uh, when, on some occasions, we've been talking about merging with another company or um, being acquired, and suddenly you're writing these kind of five-year business plans with a straight line of profit increasing and everything, and then you start making decisions on that yep. basis, and that's when I've made the biggest mistakes um, in, in a you know pure business sense because you're chasing short-term numbers rather than the currency of emotion inspiring people having an impact um, and when you follow the impact kind of variable instead of the, the the financial one i think the financial one usually works itself out maybe in a medium and longer term way so that, that, like i say my biggest mistakes clearly have been when you've been, we've tried to follow the follow the the excel spreadsheet with a you know with a profit number at the bottom that's when i've made the biggest mistakes and 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 conversely when we've done the greatest projects, they've always worked out financially in the end. Maybe we have to strong, strong uh, heart in the mean, in the between heart and head in the in the intervening period sometimes. But mm. um, that's been the way we've way we've done things. And today, I think it's great that today, you know, you you've got to ask immediately. Okay, what's the particular purpose of this event or project? At least people sh should, you know, whether it's a team, an athlete, or an event. Um, so I think that's good that that's uh, the first part of the conversation or the thinking process today. At least, you know, hope for as many organisations as possible it is. Um, but I think that we were probably doing that already, but perhaps partly subconsciously or not putting it into words in the um, in the same way. And I think now the fact that you, you know, you need to show what you're doing in that respect is is fantastic because we have a responsibility. We're so lucky working in sport. I mean, we. You know, we live. We've lived. I've lived such an amazing last twenty-five years, thirty years, thanks to sport. And you know, on one side or other of the equation, um, and we're very lucky to do that. We don't live. I've never lived a normal job, a normal life, a normal, a normal inverted. You know, Monday to Friday, these hours behind it. I've never done it, and um, we're very, very lucky. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to to give back with what we do, whether that's in communicating, impacting, changing people's views on things because we can sport is so powerful in that respect and, and and athletes and events you know can do that um or um you know or whether we whether we simply have to because our financial support or sponsors demand it which is you know obviously increasingly the case as well mm. uh, either way we you know we that pur purpose has to be right at the heart of what we do now yeah it's you're right and i feel the same way having worked in sport for such a long time it's uh we're in a fortunate position um, and we also have a great opportunity. You talk there about the the currency of emotion, I guess, that sport brings. And we know already there have been so many case studies on um, how purpose-driven organisations can succeed in business. And, you know, my personal feeling is that this has so much potential in sport, even perhaps more so than business because of that, that emotional exchange uh, that you talked about there with Ellen MacArthur and, and the people that you got to invest. Do you think we or sport in general doesn't capitalize on that enough um and what what is it that investors nowadays are, are looking for in terms of that that stakeholder relationship 
I think, for sh- you know, without a doubt, uh, as I said before, we have a response. Sports organisations, sports people have a responsibility, but actually, you know, it's a super opportunity yeah. because the uh, whether that's it depends what you you know where, where what funding or what the you know what you what you need in terms of stakeholders and partners. In a mechanical sport like we were in sailing, you need to raise fairly big sponsor. You need to raise money, yeah. cash to build a boat to run a campaign. It's not like a footballer who ultimately needs a pair of football shoes and a, and a ball and they can do their yeah. game and so when they do sponsorship they're doing it to earn money you know there's, there's nothing else in it for a mechanical sport and you're sailing is an example but obviously there are others you first of all got to pay the cost of actually just existing and doing the sport do, well, and doing well, it. Well, this so is it you need to have stakeholders this, this is it this is this is something mark that i've experienced over the years of working in motorcycle racing for example so there's a there's an exchange that often goes on between athletes and almost the teams as well where they have a particular goal. I want to go out and achieve this. I want to be British Superbike Champion or World Superbike Champion. And I need you to pay my way so I can go and achieve that goal. There isn't a, there isn't so much of an exchange going on there, or at least the relationship isn't founded on that exchange. Yeah. And when you find someone at such a young yeah. age, like you did with Ellen MacArthur, who's who's actually engaged with that, with that exchange, that's a completely different dynamic, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the... The smart thing for an athlete or a, you know a sports person in a sport where they need to raise that money today is to start with the purpose. Yeah, so they got their sporting goal, but but find that purpose, look for it, work on it. I mean, you know, as Ellen as Ellen did when she stopped sailing, um, she went it took her a couple of years and she found a, you know, she found the Ellen MacArthur Foundation today, which is works on the, promoting the circular economy to governments, to big businesses, and trying to change the economic model that the world works on today. 300 people around the world I mean and she's full on doing it like it's a sporting event you know in the same mm-hmm. way but she looked for that purpose I think all, all young athletes and sports people if they also did look for that what's that other purpose they, not just you know what's my official charity or something but something that they really really believe in beyond just winning on the track or, or, or on the water whatever it is then actually today finding the funding for what they want to do will be significantly easier anyway because businesses, whether they are forced to by their annual reports and their ESG credentials, um, in terms, you know, a measurement of what they're what they're doing beyond their core financials, that, that's becoming so important anyway. Whether they're doing it because they have to do it, or whether because they realise for their brand and their company that's how they will connect with their customers, or and the really important other pillar, that the only way they're being able to recruit great people is because they're they're able to show those people that they're doing there's more to their business than simply the the finances, um, which is a big one, employer branding, actually how to recruit people these days. All of those reasons mean that if you're trying to raise funding and, and connecting with a, you know, sponsors that coming with a project which is, yeah, I've got this great sporting goal and it's inspirational, but at the same time, this is what I want to do with it, whether it's with my image or whether the project or whether, and for example, how about you as a sponsor, okay, you know, old fashioned logo, visibility, fine. But actually, how about you give that space or some of that space to a cause, and we promote that mm. cause? And and actually, you've got a much bigger. You've got a you, you know you'll work with a much better partner if that's the partner you find, and the activation of the partnership um, will be significantly more interesting as well. So I mean, it's a bit of a win-win. You know, the cause wins, um, the people that the cause benefits, which is the ultimate aim, wins, and um, and actually the brand wins because the the communication is more authentic generally doing people and people will get on board with supporting a cause more than they will uh, directly just acknowledging that there's a logo or or a brand there. So, I mean, that's obviously evolved a lot. Sponsorships evolved a lot in that way. 
but you still see, for me, what are a lot of very old-fashioned fashioned um, you know, partnerships and, and sponsorship where there's there's nothing there on that front. And I you know, have clients that I advise or I work in you know, various different agencies that I help um, and their clients, they're still, well, we'll put our logos, we'll do our thing and do our tagline. And yeah, But guys, where's the, you know, what is that other purpose? And you, But actually the sport and the sport sponsorship can help change the attitude of those companies as well in saying, well, what's the, you know, what else do you do? Every country's different. I mean, I, you, know, I, you know, I live in Switzerland today. I've lived in France a lot of my life. Uh, obviously I've grown up in the UK and with our early days in the business in the UK. The UK is very charity focused in the sense that, you know, people run for a charity. I can tell you in Switzerland here, no, people don't run for anyone else. They don't, they, you know, you don't ask them who you're running for. There are very few people, but we're trying to change that here. And, and actually it's interesting, you know, people are uh, open to that, but the notion of purpose is developing and whether it's on a public level, whether it's on a, a business level, and equally, I think in particular in sponsorship in sport, you know, that's, that's a, a big change that's, that, that's continually um, evolving now. And as I say, my advice to a young or a team or a, or a young sports person who's looking for money is first of all, think about what that is. Say not just what's who's your official charity, but what's the other thing you care about? And if you don't care about anything else, then perhaps you should pose that question because I think you then have a, you do have a responsibility to think about something else as well. You know, you, you're put on a pedestal, you're allowed to do what you love to do, do something with it and use your, use your, you know, use your profile, use your communication power, use your influences, influence to do something else alongside. And probably, in my experience, of this is very clear in sport, in, in teams in particular. I have a sailing team here on on the, on the lake that on Lake Geneva that um, I mean, have helped to develop their strategy going forward over the last few years. And we put a charity, the charity that I helped co-found called Le Man Hope, um, as there became, there became the, the boat became branded and named the name of the charity. And the guys on the team, they would spend time with the young people that we helped through that charity, which is um, cancer survivors, young cancer survivors, and, and putting them back on their feet from a mental health perspective after they've survived cancer. Um, and uh, a copy of the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust that Ellen and I created 20 years ago in, in the UK, which is still a very, very strong, big charity today in the UK. We put that at the heart of their, of their existence as a sporting team. And actually it drove them, it motivated them, it inspired them when they had a bad race, a bad day, they're thinking, well, our bad day is nothing compared with what these young people have been through. And it gave them energy, has given them, I mean, there's, there's still, you know, it's an actuality today. So there's still, it gives them energy and help them perform better. So I think it's not a question of, like mm. I say, just an official charity on the side and yeah, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to push people to raise money for them or something. It's integrate purpose um, of whatever it is into the, into the sporting process. I think there's a, there's a dividend for yeah, everybody. That, that's a great analogy, actually, the running for charity culture for a, a more of a macro issue around uh, CSR and, you know, generating uh, shareholder wealth and then giving it some of it away or, 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 or like I said, doing CSR or charity projects. It's, uh, hmm. it, I mean, I guess ultimately that's what we're talking about, right? Embedding purpose at the heart of your organisation or the heart of your individual drive hmm. rather than um, just a stick-on, um, you know, ancillary kind of responsibility. You've got to believe it, and I think it's very clear. It's it's very difficult to hide, uh, you know, a lack of lack of authenticity mm. on that. Um, you know, you see an athlete, yeah, yeah, I support this charity. You, you can see straight away: do they really support it? Are they really caring about that? Or you can't get away with, uh, you know, just pretending you. And equally, the corporate side, you know, the sponsors, equally, they're either really. It's not a question of a donation; it's a question of how you know how embedded it becomes into the into the into the program and whether that's the company and business 
supporting using sport in some way or whether it's a sports person or sports um, or sports team I mean it's definitely developing but actually if you also stand back and go look at all the professional footballers in the world and how many of them are um, uh, Rashford you know how many of them are using their profile to do something it's a very very small mm. number um, and um, there's huge potential sport I think owes it uh, for me you know athletes once they're really benefiting from you know from their success they they really owe to give back whatever way they want to and whatever way they choose but they really should be doing more with it and they will get a dividend yeah. from that whether you know in terms of genuine following if that's what they're looking or whether it's the sponsorship side or or whatever so I, you know but there's although i see there's lots going on at the same time if you wind back and look at the percentage of you know professional athletes um or teams genuinely putting purpose at their core it's actually still a very small number um, so I think that's which is good in the sense we've got so much more good positive impact we can have on whatever issues you know we want to address um, if we can convince and motivate more sports organisations and platforms to do more with what they've got which is very powerful and actually that brings us nicely around before we wrap up Mark to your, your current projects um, with OC Sport and as I mentioned before the Ultra Swim 33.3 tell us a little bit about that because obviously the main stakeholders well I say obviously it might not be obvious but just just looking at it from the outside to me it seems the main stakeholders are the competitors and um, the, there's obviously a, a, a drive for, the, for these people to to take part and to support something a little bit bigger than than just their own individual goals tell us a little bit more about that well, I've got two two big projects uh, at the moment one is uh, Le Mans Hope which is this copy of uh, the MacArthur Cancer Trust in Switzerland so that's where we help these young people in remission from cancer and I've got a big event that's linked to that the main fundraising event for that charity is called Swim for Hope it starts next week and that's 600 swimmers swimming the full length of Lake Geneva in a relay some people are swimming 500 metres but it's but it's companies and it's and it's 31 companies all doing a 10 kilometer or so um, leg. So we've gone, it was a public event before and we've taken it over and turned it into a corporate event. Um, but with the corporates, A, we're raising more funds. So that's obviously our objective with that to help more of the young people. Um, but equally, it's a great internal team building uh, event. So, you know, the teams of 10, all different levels of, of, of swimmer, um, and we get help them go from one end of the lake to the other in, in all the, in these these relays. So that's you know 600 competitors. They're there for different reasons, but actually we're trying to install this concept of purpose into these companies. And increasingly, these companies are giving uh, charity days. So one day a year where the employees can do something for a charity of their choice. And we're you know we've created an event basically that fits that particular um, bill. So that, they're, that you know that they're different in that sense. It's coming through the companies, but it's equally. A sporting aim, a sporting objective. They'll all be challenged, pushed, tired, swim further than they thought they could, um, but for a great purpose. So that one's working really well. And then my second, the big second big project is again in swimming, which is Ultra Swim 33.3. That is, you know, like Ironman triathlon or something, but a open water swimming focused um, event. And again, you know, people are doing it for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, one thing about swimming, which I love, is the diversity. Swimming is a incredible sport, open water swimming in particular, because gravity is neutralized you're floating in the water you don't need to be the perfect athlete shape or whatever to to do to swim long distance and it's long distance so it's endurance uh any age shape size uh, you know all sorts of huge diversity 
um, in that sport. And I'm, and I'm really loving that side of it because it's, you know, having done a lot of stuff in cycling, amateur cycling and things before, you, you kind of start to get down to a reduced set of people that can really do a long, hard cycle event. Swimming's super open. Um, and, you know, you'll see someone, you go, well, how can you? They're really going <laughs> to, they're an athlete that's going to do the 33, you know, our event, this event is 33 kilometers, 33.3 kilometers, which is Dover, Calais, English Channel distance, but spread over yeah. four days. So you have to get up each day and do it four days. So it's not as tough as perhaps as doing the English Channel. In some ways you're swimming faster and harder, but you're doing it you know, the same distance over four days. Um, and we have all sorts. We've got elite athletes at the front. We've got people that don't care how fast they swim, really don't. There's some cutoff times, so they've got to get in you know, before the cutoff times and, and everything in between. Um, but and the thing that holds them all, that is common across all of them, is they've challenged themselves to something that makes them feel slightly uncomfortable. And they're not quite sure necessarily either if they can make it or how fast they can do it. Um, and so for the months before, they're focused on that. How do I best prepare myself? How do I get it? And they're nervous about it. And then most of them, not all of them, but most of them will nail it. And um, not only go home with lots of new friends from all over the world, but equally uh, feel quite fulfilled that they took that on, challenged themselves. And that, you know, that's the same in someone doing their first marathon and, and everything else. But it, it's uh, something particular about the multi-day thing, which is why I really created this event. It didn't exist in swimming in the same way as we created the Alt Route cycling event in 2011. Um, it didn't exist in cycling, a multi-day endurance event. And the difference in multi-day is, in the single day events, people come, they do the event, you might meet a few people at the start, you might run next to someone, and then you go home. Multi-day, you finish the day, then you, then you try and recover. You're all staying in the same place you meet new people, the next morning you're all looking at each other going, what am I doing? Yeah, I can't do this again. But you do, and you get through it. And people, the bonds that are created are, are, are amazing. And, and that, that's for me, the payback on this is, uh, you know, this particular event is it, you're just creating incredible bonds between people and, and you're pushing people into an uncomfortable zone um, that they get through and we're there just to facilitate them with their challenge and, and send them home. You know, a better swimmer in some way might be just mentally, physically, speed, performance, comfort, whatever, in the, comfort in the water, whatever it is. And open water swimming is fantastic like that. It's never, never, no day is the same. Um, and I say a big variety of people and speeds and styles and everything, which, um, you know, which, I, which I'm really loving in that sport. It's much more open than, than the other sports that I've worked in up to now. Oh, it sounds absolutely fantastic on so many levels, that, Mark. And I wish you all the best with it. Just for full disclosure for those listening to this, we're recording this in late August. So the Le Mans for Hope is uh, next week, Mark. And then the Ultra Swim is yep. uh, in... No, the next one's in Montenegro, Montenegro, end of September, so yeah, a few weeks away. So yeah, a bit, bit of a busy period. So yeah, so that will have happened probably by the time uh, this goes out. So for those who are interested in this now, 2024, what does that look like and, and how could people get involved? So I'm going to run three uh, on the Ultraswim side. There'll be three Ultraswim 33.3s. So um, they'll get published in a couple of weeks' time, mid-September. So maybe when this comes out, uh, there'll be three venues in Europe um, for that. There's a couple of hundred, 200 slots in each of them maximum. So uh, we've got a lot of interest for that already. And we'll publish this, say, soon in, in mid-September um, on our website. And then the, the charity swim, Swim for Hope, you know, we will run again in, on Lake, Lake Zurich and again and on uh, Lake Geneva, two events next year. Um, with the idea of raising the funds for Le Mans Hope and the same thing, to have a full length of the lake uh, that we're trying to bring in as many companies as we can with their employees. So they're my two big things. I won't say there's a lot of other stuff going on as well, but they're the two uh, my two big focuses and, and particularly on the swimming side at least. Brilliant. So. Okay, well, uh, I'm quite interested in that myself. So if anybody listening is uh, interested in making a team, let, let's, let's talk, get in touch. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really 
inspirational conversation as short as it was and I, I'm really fascinated by that journey I knew you were doing some really good stuff at the minute but to see how that sort of journey to purpose has evolved organically since um, your, your career first started in the Royal Navy it's, uh, it's really fascinating so thank you Pleasure my thanks again to Mark for a conversation that really shows how putting purpose at the heart of business, either consciously or subconsciously, creates optimal outcomes for all stakeholders. Also, on an individual level, building in many ways on the conversations we've already featured on the podcast with Neil Duffy and Melissa Wilson in particular, I felt Mark offered a practical guide really for athletes who want to use their platform to inspire others, creating emotional currency through effective and authentic storytelling. The evidence is out there that following the impact variable instead of the financial one, as Mark says, is effectively how conscious organisations do better in business, in sport, and particularly at the intersection of the two. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do rate the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends and colleagues, leave us a review, and we'll be back soon with another conversation like this one on Wider Goals. Podcast Network.